And here is the key to the game plan and to effectiveness, using questions. This is a very, very important part of my entire approach to the project that we call evangelism. I like to think more being an ambassador for Christ. So there's more genial diplomacy than kind of confrontation. You're wrong. I'm right. You ought to believe what I believe. And this is the way it turns out a lot of times in evangelism, okay? And also the goal of evangelism is to close the deal, okay? We can maybe talk about this in a moment, but I, I'm i convinced you do not have to worry about closing the deal. You don't have to get anyone to pray with you to receive Christ. And again, and more on that in a moment. And this is a biblical conviction, not just a personal conviction, but it's also practical. What I want them to do is just worry about doing a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. Not harvesting, but what I call gardening, okay? <laughs> so, so, you know, that's my next question. What's the difference between a harvester and a gardener? Because you talk about that in your book. Yeah, right. Well, if you think in agricultural terms, it's obvious. The gardening is what you do over a long period of time, a little here, a little there. You plow, you hoe, you plant, you water, you fertilize, you weed until the time that the harvest is ready. Now, I live in a section of Southern California where there's a lot of agriculture here. Uh, this is the, like the strawberry capital of the world where I live. And uh, all of this work is going on during the season. But the harvest, when the harvest comes, the fruit just falls from the vine. It's easy to harvest when the fruit is ripe. That's the key here, all right? And in fact, the harvest takes care of itself much of the time. So people think about harvesting. Oh, okay, that's like praying with people to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay, we got to challenge them to do that so they can become Christians. Or we have to have an altar call at our church so that they can become Christians. My answer to that is, no, you don't have to do that. Now, that's controversial, obviously, but I point out, first of all, that there are no altar calls in the New Testament, not a single one. There are no times when people are prayed i rather challenged to pray to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Not a single time, okay? Rather, what you see is gardening, 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 okay? Now, to make this point really clear to audiences lately, Nancy, I have been taking polls. And here's the question I ask my audiences for the last couple months since I've been teaching on Street Smarts. I say, how many people here <clears throat> excuse me, are Christians but did not become a Christian because someone prayed with you to receive Christ as Lord and Savior? or you came forward on an altar call, all right? Nobody helped you, right? 60 to 70% of the hands of every audience I talk to goes up. Sometimes it's almost 90%. In other words, these were all people that harvested themselves, so to speak. Actually, yeah. we know it's the Holy Spirit that did the harvesting. That's what happened to me, okay? And I, I was on with Kirk Cameron last week, and, and Kirk said, that's what happened to me too. You know, nobody harvested me. And uh, many people that I talk to that are even interviewing me say, that's the same thing with me. What was the important thing that happened in life? It wasn't the act of someone gathering the harvest in, it was rather the whole it was rather the christian who is doing or christians usually multiple that were doing a, a little bit here a little bit there gardening 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 in their lives and that's what happened to me uh for months and actually a couple of years but more intensively the last <clears throat> excuse me 6 months um my brother mark was gardening gardening and then when i was ready he actually came to my apartment and I told him, Mark, you don't have to tell me any more about Jesus. I already decided I want to become a Christian. 
boom, there it was. The fruit fell into the basket. So the reason this is important, um, Nancy, is because when people think that they have to try to get people to receive Christ, that scares them away from the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, then fighting words. Yeah. And so then they sit on the bench and don't do anything. But if I offer them a gardening tool, a gardening model, which is the New Testament method of of evangelism, Mm -hmm. and I give them a gardening tool, which is the game plan that I discuss both in tactics and again in street smarts, and I show Mm -hmm. them how to employ it in a variety of circumstances where you have a variety of different specific challenges, well, the more Christians are going to step up to the plate, to put it simply. And when you have more gardeners in the garden, you have a better harvest. That is so wonderful because I'm exactly where you were too. You know, it wasn't anything that anybody said. I had to come to Jesus in my own time. We are taught to sow just the seed, right? To sow the seed. And somebody else will come over and water it. So that's part of that whole gardening concept. And so Paul says, right. Yeah. So what happens when we are trying to evangelize and we get tongue tied? And how Mm -hmm. does the Holy Spirit help us at that point? Well, the Holy Spirit is always working in the background, but I wanted to point out something about the role of the Holy Spirit. And we see Jesus in in, um, Matthew 10, uh, sending out his disciples in their first missionary journey. And uh, there he says, do not fear, by the way, three times inside of seven sentences. So he knows the disciples are apprehensive. Okay, that's normal. Paul in uh, Acts 18 was so scared to speak in in, uh, uh, Corinth that Jesus had to show up and say, don't be afraid any longer. Those were his words. Go out and speak. Okay, so um, this is normal to be uh, frightened. But one of the things Jesus said there in Matthew 10 is that we have the Holy Spirit that will help. And he talks about that. And And, um, what we don't realize, and this is the point of misunderstanding, is this is well into Jesus' training with his disciples. He didn't say that at the beginning. At the beginning, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. All right. So he's working with them for a period of time. Now they have stuff, they have knowledge, they have information that Jesus has instructed them with, that he's sending them out with and saying, you've got an ally in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not operating in a vacuum. This is the value of of having a podcast like this or books people read about apologetics or sharing their convictions or the the tactics or the street smarts material. This is the stuff that will that will give the substance or content method, if you will, of how to engage so that when we engage with substance, we can trust the Holy Spirit will use that stuff. The Holy Spirit does not work in a vacuum. If he worked in a vacuum, he wouldn't need us. He would just do his thing in people's lives. No, he works through means, and the means are the disciples of Jesus, writ broad now, including us, who have had training and grow in knowledge so that we can be able to share that with people. So we have two parts here. I call it 100% God, 100% man, okay? God is 100% responsible for his side of the equation, and we are one, and he can, he'll do that. We don't have to worry about that. And we are 100% responsible for ours. Our side is to present the uh, truth persuasively, clearly, 
um, uh, accurately, persuasively, and graciously. Okay, and that's what the tactical game plan will allow them to do. And God's responsibility is to do everything else. It's not up to us to persuade, to win. It is up to us to present in the way I just described, and then let God do what he wants to do. Sometimes he does stuff, sometimes he doesn't, but that's his business. It's yeah. not ours. I, I, you know, I love the way that you also talk about, you know, that you can't really shove the gospel down people's throats because they are not going to receive it. And right. I know so many people that like, you know, and, and I know they mean well, they, they're maybe they're going into a, an, an area and they start sharing the gospel with somebody. But, you know, how do you know, like, it, you can't just do that unless that is something that the, the Holy Spirit has called you to. Well, I yeah, I I think that there's a very simple answer to that, because notice when as you're describing it, the Christian is on the offensive with the information, pushing, pushing, pushing information at people, which is a, a very standard way they do it, and this creates difficulties. That is not my technique. The game plan is not like that. The Christian is doing something entirely different, and here is the key to the game plan and to effectiveness: using questions. Mm -hmm using questions. Just want to underscore that, using questions, okay? Yeah. Because for a lot of reasons, first of all, questions are polite. We start asking people questions. We toss the ball into their court. We're showing an interest in them, and they're responding with information. So it's polite because we're showing an interest in them. We are also getting information from them that will be valuable and help us to know how to go further. We're gathering intel, so to speak. And, and we're also, it's dialogical. We're back and forth. It's relaxed. And when we're asking questions, we are not making statements. If we make a statement, that's a challenge on somebody else, okay? And and then they they may get defensive. If we make a statement, then that's a statement we have to defend, okay? But if we're asking a question, there's nothing for us to defend, Okay. Now, some people might think, if I'm asking questions, how am I going to get the gospel across? Well, I go into detail on this in Street Smarts, but it's not hard. You, you, There's three steps to the game plan that allow you to accomplish that end. But the very, <clears throat> pardon me, the very first thing that you want to accomplish in any conversation is just to gather information. Mm -hmm. That itself, first step, first step of the game plan, just gather information. And that's going to be some form of the question, what do you mean by that? All right. Now, this helps if you're you're, you're just talking to people and you're just drawing them out. You, you, I'm sitting on the plane next to people. I do this a lot. Waitresses. I mean, these are big in my life. Okay. My lifestyle, my profession. And so I'm just making friendly conversation, asking about themselves. But uh, especially if I get into some spiritual kind of conversation, or if somebody's pushing back at you and raising challenges to you or offering an alternate point of view. This, by the way, is the specific application of street smarts. All the other challenges we're going to face in our culture when we start to engage about spiritual things. So when people say, when an atheist says, well, I'm an atheist, okay, well, I might think, oh, I'm a Christian. I got to tell them why atheism is false and theism is right, okay, if I know how to do that. But then we are, we're in an argument. Instead, I ask, really, what kind of atheist are you? Okay, what kind of God do you reject? You know, there's all kinds of versions of that and uh, different types of atheists. Let them talk. I don't know what they're going to say. 
I want to hear what it is, though, because the more they talk, the more information that I have that I can work with. If an atheist says, well, what about the problem of evil? I say, what about it? They say, well, it's a problem for you, isn't it? What's the problem? Now, I'm not trying to be coy, like trying to skirt the issue, but I want them to clarify their own challenge. And the more they clarify, the better it's going to be with me, surprisingly. Because um, if their view is false, then I want to get their false view clearly on the table so I can deal with it. And chances are they're going to be digging a bigger hole for themselves the more they talk if you know what to look for. And this is what I cover in Street Smarts. Here's what to look for with the atheist. Here's what to look for the problem of evil. Here's what to look for with the pro-choicer. Here's what to look for with challenges about the Bible and, and Jesus or gender and sex and marriage. I get chapters on all of these things, multiple chapters uh, on the Bible and atheism and abortion and etc. So there's lots there to learn to know what to look for. But notice in this case, the Christian who is just asking for information, that's all they're asking for, there is no risk to them at all. There's no lines drawn in the sand. There's no turf war. You know, you are not got your dukes up, nothing like that. You're just asking questions about things. Somebody says, well, the Bible's been changed. Really? Uh, tell me more. How, how do you think it's been changed? What? Well, how did that happen? That's a what do you mean by that question? Okay. Uh, I got in a long conversation, and this is in the tactics book, the entire conversation is with a, a witch in Wisconsin, who I didn't know was a witch until I asked her about the jewelry she was wearing, <clears throat> which was a pentagram, and if it had spiritual significance to her. And then she went on to explain. And that question about her jewelry, what do you mean by that jewelry, is what got us into this conversation, which was very interesting conversation. But this is true about so many different things when especially if you're being challenged by somebody well everything's relative what do you mean rel- everything's relative i'm i'm curious i don't i'm not you're intolerant what do you mean i'm intolerant what am i doing that allows you to cause that you think you're justified in calling me labeling me intolerant okay i i don't i, I have an idea in some cases what they're going to say and i'm prepared to respond with more questions based on what they say for example, the person who says, well, you're intolerant. I say, what do you mean you're intolerant? Well, you think you're right. Well, yeah, I do. Um, if I didn't believe what I believe was true, I would believe it. I would believe something else, you know. <clears throat> but I'm not the only one in the conversation who thinks he's right. I'm just the only one who, the other guy thinks he's right. I'm the only one who's being called a name. So my question then is, well, do you think you're right? Well, what's he going to say? He's got to say he's right. Yeah, of course he does. Well, why is it when I think I'm right, I'm intolerant, and you think you're right, you're just right? What, what am I missing here? Now, no, that, that's a little bit more advanced form, but you, I just wanted to role play the way that the questions could be used here. Mm-hmm. I'm not making statements. In that situation, I knew the flaw in the challenge he was offering. He's mm-hmm. calling me intolerant because I think I'm right and other people are wrong when he thinks he's just as right as I do with an alternate view. But he thinks that's fine for him to be right. Yeah. And so I'm just, the series of questions as you see, you see helps, um, <clears throat> excuse me, helps uh, to uncover that so that then I ask a question that goes right to the heart of the issue. And now he's kind of stuck. Now I'm not trying to embarrass him. I'm trying him to, ha- I'm trying to help him have insight into the foolish move that he just made. 
Yeah. Okay. That's just simple name calling. That's all it is. So anyway, I've, I've that's really the first step of the game plan. Mm-hmm. And I hope your listeners can, can <clears throat> understand, excuse me, all that's going on. It's very simple. And all you're doing is gather information, even about challenges to your view. Now, you may not be able to go further than just figure it out the specific challenge. That's okay. I mean, I've had situations where I can't answer the question. I don't know how to respond to the circumstance, but I've had a friendly encounter with someone and learned some things about their view so that maybe on my own, at my leisure, when the pressure is off, I can think about the question or the issue, the challenge that I couldn't respond to, and then come up with some responses for the next time, either with that person or with someone else, that I use questions to employ. So anyway, I'm kind of stepping through things here, but I just wanted to make clear the very first step of the game plan that allows you to avoid the kind of angst and anxiety um, and clashes that often happen in these engagements. And that first step is just gathering information with some form of the question, what do you mean by that? When you require people to make their statements or their views more crystal clear, and you get around all of the euphemisms that make sin look noble, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't look so good to them anymore, okay, in the process. And this brings me to my second question. The first one is, what do you mean by that? The second one is, how did you come to that conclusion? So in our conversation, we're going to ask the content of their view. Now we want to know why they think their view is true. How did you come to that conclusion? All right. And uh, again, that's just gathering a different type of information. So if you're talking about choice, why do you think a woman should have a right to choose? Abortion. And by the way, what is abortion? Well, it's when you terminate a pregnancy. But yeah, but when you mean terminate, you say terminate, you mean what? Well, a woman's pregnant, which means what? Well, she... (laughs) Now, what that means is, there's another human being growing inside the mother where the human belongs at that stage of the human development. Okay. So, so in other words, this woman has a, an unborn human being inside of her, right? And you think she should be allowed to kill that unborn human being. Okay. All I'm doing is clarifying what the view is. Okay. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, because my body, my choice well, wait a minute, I thought you just said it's another human being in your body. So there's two bodies here, right? Okay, now here you see now I'm starting to move forward into a different phase with that question. And incidentally, all of these dialogues are in Street Smarts Mm -hmm. because when I talk about the problems of these views, I also talk about the questions now that you can use to expose the problem. And that's the third stage of the game plan. First, you're finding out what they believe. What do you mean by that? Then you're finding out why they believe they what they believe. Uh, how did you come to that conclusion or some variation? And those two questions, the first two stages of the game plan, you're completely safe. There's no risk of any kind. But now we've just shut, shut, subtly shifted into the third step And the third step is using questions to make a point, okay? Which is why Street Smarts is subtitled, Using Questions to Answer Christianity's Toughest Challenges. And notice how even in that conversation, I'm starting to to get at the weakness of their view. So why do you think we should be able to kill 
the innocent human being. And notice I use human being because it's the most general. It's human being from the time of conception all the way. You say a child, they say it's not a child, it's a fetus. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what kind of fetus? Well, it's a human fetus. Okay, so human being. Notice the question, by the way, for clarification. So why would you think it's okay to kill that that human being that way? Uh, well, because we can't afford it. Okay, well, if the, if that that human being is born and it's three days old and you look at your checkbook and you're out of money, can you kill that baby three days later? Question, notice question. Mm. No, I can't do that. Well, why can you do it four days before when it's still inside? Same baby, right? Another question. Now, just just one example of trying to demonstrate uh, how to use questions to start moving into the third phase, the street smarts phase, where you're you've got a point in mind, you know the flaw. And this is what I teach you on all of those topics in the book. Here is the problems, and then I give the dialogues like that. Let me. This is so great that I think that everybody that's watching is is going to be taking notes and hopefully they'll want to get your book. So, you know, thank you for all this information that you've given me and the tools to help those who want to share Jesus and know how to use the tactics and street smarts. And so where can they find this book street smarts and find out more about you? Well, they can, they can go to our website. I represent Stand to Reason. I'm the founder and president of Stand to Reason, and this is our 30th year anniversary, so we've been around the block a few times, uh, and I've spoken to more than 90 uh, university campuses uh, here and abroad. Um, and so I've had in 33 years in interactive talk radio. So I've had a lot of experience that I bring to bear in these books, particularly Street Smarts, what we're talking about now. And uh, so they can go to our website for a broad uh, amount of information to help them as followers of Christ engaging and even answering their own questions that they might have. And that is str dot org stand to reason str.org okay really easy um now if they want the book tomorrow okay amazon's your best bet <laughs> that's really easy bada boom and you can get the book quickly there so uh and the tactics book is there as well so if they want to get both and a lot of people do buy them both together and they just take the time and go through the tactics book which lays a much broader foundation we talked about that last time we were together yes and then they go to the street smarts material that is the third step of the tactical game plan on steroids, because that's going to be the one that helps you to answer all of these varied challenges in each of these areas that I mentioned, whether it's atheism or problem of evil or, or abortion or problems with the Bible or with Jesus or with sex, gender, marriage or whatever. It's all there for the Christian to draw from and learn from. And I'll, let me add just one more encouragement. They don't have to worry about being an expert right out of the gate. Um, holidays are coming up. You're going to have dinner with family members, and some may not be Christians, and a lot of people have, you know, <laughs> Uncle Harry the atheist always comes and makes a mess of things. Well, maybe this year, instead of arguing with Uncle Harry, maybe just asking him a lot of questions about his view. The two steps. What do you mean by that? How did you come to that? Why are you an atheist? What are your reasons? And uh, and see what they have to say. Don't even worry about going further. Just consider it an educational moment. But I, I will make a promise that in many cases for your listeners, if they just do step one and step two, where, where they're ankle deep in the shallow end of the pool, very easy, they are going to see God work to 
put a stone in someone's shoe, even though they're not trying to take on the case directly. I've seen it time and time again, and I give examples of that in Street Smarts. True incidents where that worked out in very powerful ways just by asking those two questions. Thank you for this powerful, powerful message that you're bringing today. And so what would you like to leave my audience with today? Well, I think that um, the most important thing I could po- I could leave them with is they already know about their responsibility to be light in a dark world. That means going out into the street. And the key for your safety, because I know you're concerned about that, the key for your safety is to use questions. Uh, I, I, I often say at the end of my talks, I refer to Lieutenant Colombo, the TV icon some people might remember, who was always scratching his head and mumbling to himself when he didn't think like he knew what he was doing. He came in under the radar. Nobody took him seriously, but he used those questions. And so I say, uh, when you get in a tough spot, just take a tip from Lieutenant Colombo and always use questions. That's the key to safety and effectiveness. Jesus did the same. He did it almost 300 times, ask questions in the Gospels. Let's be like Jesus. Let's be like Lieutenant Colombo. And let's make a difference without hardly trying. If this ministry has blessed your life, would you like and subscribe and share this with others? We're here to fulfill the Great Commission. So be sure to come back next time for another episode of The Call with Nancy Sabato. You'll be blessed. And do you listen to the call of God? Because God speaks to you every day. Are you listening to the call? Sound is heard on your mind.